Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we're talking about market movers for the NFL draft. We're going back to week one of college football, reviewing a lot of great performances and talking about some guys who could be really shaking things up on the big boards and in those first round mock drafts. We'll also give you a little new segment where we're going to shout out some names that you probably haven't heard of that have already stood out here in college football that you need to know for the 2024 NFL draft. I'm Trevor Sycamore. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama, that is Connor Rogers, joining you, yes folks, for the second time in one week. It's back. We're back to two podcasts a week here as college football and NFL seasons are getting kicked off. Trying to get an easy one in before Thursday Night Football, before the craze of the NFL starts, but and we wanted to do that because there was so much good college football that happened this past weekend, and as a result, so much good NFL draft stuff to talk about. So we're going to divide this show up into two different segments. One's going to be called Market Movers, where we're going to talk about some players who are really moving the NFL draft market. We'll revisit this. I think we'll make it a weekly segment, but it'll be guys who are really shaking up the big boards, really shaking up the first round mock drafts, or at least have the potential to. And then we'll end the show with a fun new segment. It's early, but we'll probably do this over the next couple of weeks, a couple of early weeks of the season, but we'll shout out some guys who are really standing out. Connor, it's not a Monday show. It's not a summer scouting. It's not a mock draft. It's not a big board. We're just talking ball, my friend. How you doing, brother? Dude, it feels so good. So happy. I mean, week one is here and you and I are, we have college things to react to and it was put on a platter for us, right? That's the amazing thing. I I was texting you right away and I was like, God, what a joy it was watching all of these draft eligible quarterbacks, right? And I'm sure there was, there was plenty that aren't draft eligible, but folks, we got to pump the brakes. I mean, Trevor and I can... We can only cover so much, and we love some of these underclassmen that aren't eligible. So if you are dying for Travis Hunter talk on this show, well, he's so good that it might find its way in, but he's going to be the king of summer scouting next year. But man, there was just so much to break down. Some surprises, um, some players that I think have already established themselves, of course, that just continue to do amazing things. I think everybody knows who I'm talking about with, you know, Caleb Williams, of course, and Drake May, but there was some other guys as well, too. And we'll even get into some smaller school players today, too. So it was so exciting. It's like draft overload. You try to kind of compartmentalize certain things like, well, we have all year to do that, so let's do this. And today, obviously, a big part of this show will be capitalizing off how impressive these quarterbacks were. Yeah, you know, anytime we do this segment, which we would love to hear from you guys, first and foremost, like let us know in the YouTube comments and give us some responses on social media, what you think of these segments, if you want, if if you're loving them, if you want to see them more, but I feel like the market movers segment, which we can just really jump into right now is going to be one that we're going to have to almost make a weekly thing, because that's what this show is all about as an NFL draft podcast. And damn, dude, we're talking only quarterbacks today because it was quite the statement this past weekend. We're going to be talking quarterbacks a lot on this particular segment because quarterbacks, of course, move the market. I would love to start with Shadur Sanders, the quarterback from from Colorado. If that's cool, you want to start with him? Please. Yeah. You know why, Trevor? Because he uh, and a couple quarterbacks didn't, right? Like Riley Leonard didn't. You just we do the quarterbacks episode for summer scouting so early and it's very top heavy. That show was always going to be really dedicated to to Caleb and Drake and, you know, Penix and Bo Nix. But part of it, too, was 
you know, Sanders, who was a really big recruit, I don't want that to be lost in this, a four-star player, it never felt like there was a possibility he would leave what his dad is building a little early. Mm-hmm. And not to overreact, Trevor, but to toss back to you, what we saw week one was so impressive that you're like, maybe he he does get that opportunity already. Dude, there's, there's some things to bring into context about Sanders' opening week. First and foremost, it was incredible to watch. I mean, <laughs> it was awesome. that was a noon game for week one of college football, and it was a nationally televised game. It felt like every single person on the Twitter timeline was watching the same. Like, we were all yep. watching Colorado, and we were watching this incredible performance unfold. So, Sanders, if you guys didn't know his stats, I mean, I'm sure that you've probably seen the over 500 passing yards, 510 passing yards against TCU. 38 completions on 47 passing attempts. He had 52 dropbacks. He had a ton of dropbacks. Yeah. Even Sanders after the game, I don't know if you saw this, he was joking around with, I think it was Jenny Taft who was doing the sideline for that game. He's like, that's the most yards I've ever thrown for in my life. Like, regardless of whether it was at Jackson State or um, obviously now at Colorado, I think he said that that was the most that he's ever thrown for. He threw four passing touchdowns, no interceptions, three big-time throws, and zero turnover-worthy plays. So contextualizing that performance, it looks even better in that regard. So he was awesome, man. Adjusted completion percentage of 83%. It just felt like he was so in control and confident throughout that whole game, no matter what TCU was throwing at him. And look, we should say this. TCU, a little bit overrated last year, even making the college right. football playoff and national lost championship. Lost a lot of talent. And they lost a ton of talent. Last year, you go through that TCU schedule and you go through their regular season, and there were plenty of times that if the ball bounces the other way, they probably pick up an extra loss or two, and we're not even close to talking about them as the national championship contender that they ended up becoming. I don't mean to take anything away from them, but no. you, you bring that into this season. They were a little overrated last year. They lose a ton of talent. And so what Sanders did, incredible. They've got a full Pac-12 schedule where I can't wait to see what he does against hopefully some of the better defenses in the Pac-12. I know they play UCLA, and they're going to play Gabriel Murphy and Laatu Latu, and those guys are beginning to be coming after him, and that's going to be a great game to judge how he deals with pressure. I know they play USC as well. So it's going to be him going straight up against Caleb Williams, who can score the most points in this game because USC's defense didn't look much better this past weekend. And so when we get to breaking down what was so great about him and that performance, I'd love to hear what you thought of the talent beyond just the statistics that he obviously was stuffing the stat sheet all day long. Right. So the grasp of the offense to me, was by far and away the most impressive for a little context for those that listen that aren't the biggest college football fans. So, you know, Dion, for all of his incredible recruiting, whether it's, you know, the likes of getting the number one player in Travis Hunter, and he, he's recruited very well, especially that's a top heavy team. Mm-hmm. He recruited an offensive coordinator that was a head coach. Sean Lewis was the head coach of Kent State and had coached high-powered offenses and decided to make a move to a power five to be Dion's offensive coordinator. And Sean Lewis went into that game and understood against TCU, we're going to run a lot of quick game, and we are going to get the ball out, and we are going to get the ball in playmakers' hands. And that, to me, doesn't take away anything from Shadur Sanders because his 
understanding of the offense that this is so fast, right? Dion gets the job at Colorado. They have, obviously they dominate the transfer portal. That's a, another aspect that this Colorado team has been able to turn over some of the roster. And then Shadur is going to get a step up in competition after dominating at an HB, HCB, uh, HBCU. And you're trying to put all this together and you're going to be playing better teams. You play a really good one out of the gate in TCU, maybe not the TCU of last year. And he just looked calm, composed, comfortable. He was identifying blitzers and was throwing hot. He was just getting the ball out and then also extending when he knew he needed to extend. Yeah, he he has a lot of trust in his playmakers. There were a couple throws where it's like, listen, I'm going to put the ball in that area because I'm on the move right now. Things are a little heavy and I trust my guy to go up and get the ball. And I thought he was he really towed the line of not being reckless with that. It was more timely and picking his spots. So I like the way he moved to me, the most. The most impressive aspect of his game, besides commanding the offense, is the touch he can throw with down the field. Sure. I mean, yeah. The craziest thing in this game was like Travis Hunter has that drop on the vertical throw where you're like, man, the stat line could have looked way crazier. Yeah. It could have looked crazier. <laughs> yeah. And the deep throw he hit uh, to a different player down the right sideline on the all 22. I mean, you see him perfectly hold the deep safety. And then in all in one motion, turn turn his body and throw down the field to the right side. And the safety already can't make up that ground because he's been held to control yeah. the middle of the field. I, I just thought in the in the in scouting, we get obsessed with the physical presence, right? And a lot of these guys, they all have that. But what he was able to do from an IQ standpoint, when it's not like this dude was coached by Sean Lewis last year. He wasn't at Colorado. Mm -hmm. He's not playing with all of these guys. He was mm -hmm. a transfer, even though some guys came with them. Right. That to me is it speaks to your work ethic, your mental capacity. Um, that is is pretty unique in my eyes. That was the most impressive aspect to me. I agree completely. Sanders is, has very clearly been preparing to be a pro for a long time. And it's not like this game was an isolated experience for him. You know, I watched him over summer scouting and, and I had him in the QB group. And it was kind of what impressed me, his strengths from what I saw over the summer were similar to what I saw this past weekend, but he did it at an even higher level. Like he was making his strengths even better. When you, I thought knowing exactly where to go with the ball, the fantastic fundamentals that he plays with both lower body and upper body that allows him to have really great ball placement, especially on the short to intermediate throws. You know, when he has to get to the deep throws, he's got to put a little bit more of his body into it. Sometimes you see a little bit of a uh, dip in ball placement and accuracy. Uh, and we'll get to that in a second, but when he is able to operate on script, he is such an assassin and he's so smart. I, I love that you brought that up because his football IQ is something that, I think we're going to marvel at all year long. I think this it's is advanced be a, for the college level. Hundred percent. You yeah. look at you look at some of his statistics over the last couple of years, just with him being a true freshman starter and a true sophomore starter at Jackson State. Seventy six point seven adjusted completion percentage when he was a true freshman, which is a really good mark for a true freshman. And then eighty one point four last year, and then he had an eighty three point zero this past week. So. Delivering the ball where it needs to go in the way that it needs to get there is something that Sanders has been doing for a long time. I have reservations about the arm, the overall arm talent that he has. I, when I was watching his tape at Jackson State, a reason why I didn't have him higher in my initial top 150 was because 
if you don't have that like true obvious NFL arm talent, you really have to be phenomenal at basically everything else to the right. position to really be a big time prospect. He showed last week that he <laughs> he's on that path to get there. So he and he even I'm, I'm shoot I'll admit it certainly. He even showed more zip on his passes than I had previously seen with him at Jackson State, and he was more efficient hitting that deep ball than I thought he was going to be. So I, I that is going to be the number one thing that I look with Sanders throughout the rest of the season. He deals with pressure well. He understands defense. As you mentioned, he's already manipulating coverages. The ball goes exactly where it needs to be so often and so consistently. Does he have that NFL arm talent? Does he have that ability to, when that game speeds up, when that pressure speeds up, when that window is even tighter to hit a football, can he really flick that thing where it needs to go? And that's that's what I'm going to be watching for this upcoming season because if he starts to really impress me even more than he did previously in that area, man, you're going to see him rise the ranks and perhaps even get into some early mock drafts. I think so too. I think it's the classic, it's only one game. But and to speak to on what what you said, I really like that you brought something up that I think some people aren't missing, but it wasn't talked about enough. I agree with you that I saw massive improvement in the little things from Jackson State, right? I mean, this dude lit it up there, mm-hmm. but the quarterbacking, you know, uh, growth he has made from an underclassman to now a junior at Colorado mentally mechanically i I don't know it's just it it just looked like a dude that can operate at such an efficient speed that you're now you're talking about him we always knew he would be in the pro conversation but now it's accelerated because a lot of these quarterbacks in college football need the four years right and a Mm -hmm. lot of the ones that do leave early probably regret it to be honest with you we've seen how so many misses with guys like that and uh shadur has put himself in the conversation that he uh, you know, might have the chance to leave early if he if that's something he desires. No question. How he was able to perform at, right out of the gate was something that I absolutely loved. Bringing hot those seat, Trevor, from... hot seat question. Yeah. Do you say he? I don't expect him to be as good as he was against TCU each week because that's not fair. But uh-huh. say this is this is for real, and the the you know the larger sample size is closer to this than being than struggling. Yeah. Do you think he? You know, with Travis Hunter being a sophomore and Dion, his dad, being there and what they're building in Colorado, do you think mm-hmm. do you think he feels the loyalty to stay? And there's NIL, so it's it, not like I have to get out. It kind of depends because, you know, I can sit here and talk about how I'm 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 still a little bit reserved on the overall arm talent level, whether it's like, right. hey, this guy's got the arm talent to be a first round pick. But also, yeah, I'm not there either. Yep. There's there's more that goes in because my actual answer to that question is if Sanders is actually getting first round legit first round hype, he goes like I, I don't think that he stays. I think Dion would want him to go at that point. But does he get to that level? Does the is the NFL in on his arm strength? But man, there's so much politics that go into being a first round quarterback, too. I mean, Manziel's first round quarterback, Tim Tebow's first round quarterback, like, right. Right. There's so much like politics that go into you even being a first round pick as well. And when I say politics, I mean, you just got to have some hype around you and Sanders, if he plays well, there's going to be no shortage of hype for that young man. So if he, if he's getting first round projections, which I'm, I'm not, I don't think we're there yet, folks. I, I don't. No, 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 no. That's not fair to do. That's not even fair to do to him. But if we get to that point, I think that he would leave anything else. 
yeah, I wonder if he would stay. Like, even if it's, hey, you'd probably be like a second, maybe early third round pick. I wonder if he would stay at Colorado and continue to build something special with his dad. Um, let's move on. Yes. Let's go to let's go to Michael Penix Jr., your boy. I think that he is a market mover simply because I know that you you had him do you have him top twenty on your board? I have top Love thirty. Me. I have top he thirty-two. Be, I think it was thirty-two for me. Yeah, he should be right there. Um, but I mean, I, you would think I would be able to pull this up faster considering we do a draft show every week now, twice a week. Folks, you could subscribe to the NFL Stock Exchange podcast on Apple, <laughs> Spotify, and YouTube. He is number 20, Trevor. You nailed it. Exactly. He's number 20 on the board. I know you're bored better than you do. Um, you do. It's sickening. Yeah, so look, phenomenal first day at the office for 2023. And the reason why Penix to me is is just this this market mover is it's not that really anything changed, right? We're going to keep having these conversations of people who go, man, he has another fully healthy year. Two <laughs> it's like how many years can you start seasons. saying it? Yeah, but, right. But two fully healthy seasons back to back, and then you're yep. putting out tape like he put out this oh past God. weekend. We're going to talk about this dude as a legit top fifteen, top twenty quarterback. I mean, truly. Just the throws, right? Not counting in because you look at the escapability of of Caleb, of course, and Drake may had a play like that too. Just the throws. I mean, this guy will probably have the best throw almost every every weekend, it feels like. Or at least in the conversation with guys like Caleb to have the best throw every weekend. Three right. big time throws. Whew. He threw he threw for five touchdowns. Yep. The interesting part to me was this was against Boise State. And we talked about TCU losing talent that happens every program last year. But B- Boise State was one of the top pass defenses in the country last year. So they were one of the better pass defenses in the country last year. I mean, he goes 29 to 40, throws for 450 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. He had what PFF would log as one turnover where they play the three big time throws. Penix's ability to drive the ball outside the numbers and then open up the middle of the field yeah, with deep accuracy and touch. It's just, he's playing chess at quarterback. And I think the problem I'm starting to become frustrated with the Penix discussion and evaluations is, and this is probably very individual to me. I don't expect everybody to agree with this, but my preseason big board has him at 20, right? And everybody always goes, well, he's playing with maybe the best wide receiver duo in the country. Well, he's not, number one. That's just not true. And two, like, I don't have his wide receivers in my top 30 or in my top 40. I like them. I think they're NFL caliber players. Mm-hmm. I just, we are constantly spinning ourselves in this yarn of Penix is being lifted by his offensive coordinator, his wide receivers, his no, program. No, Look at what this guy has done and look at what Washington is a program has done since he got there so i don't know it's i feel like i'm just kind of begging people to just watch Penix, and i love that you let off this conversation with what he did this last weekend wasn't anything new from last year it just felt like trevor that there were more eyeballs on it and now that he's further removed from the injuries a lot of people are starting to believe yep i agree uh, fully healthy season for michael Penix. certainly what he was able to do this past weekend you mentioned he had the three big time throws, the five passing touchdowns, 450 passing yards. I think. Wait, I might have the. Yep, wrong you thing. Have Yeah, 450 passing yards, adjusted completion percentage of over 80, and it, it's it's the particular throws that you mentioned, man. Being able to hit the whole shots between the zone, being able to throw the ball outside the numbers to the sideline with zip. I, th- this is what this dude can do. So even though he's already high up there, 
I wanted to I wanted to make sure that we got him in the market movers because he absolutely is as long as he stays healthy. Somebody else that I think is a big time market mover, especially for this podcast, because we went through summer scouting and we both, I want to speak for you, but we're very Again. hesitant on the JJ McCarthy hype. Yeah. Raise because, his hand. Shame, I mean, shamefully. Dude's got and we talked about this on, on the summer scouting show. Dude's got arm talent for days, right? I, I mean, he is a very talented thrower. But when it came to being a quarterback, those aspects of the game, navigating pressure, getting to your reads correctly, uh, understanding what the defense is going to go to uh, from a pre-snap look to a post-snap look, like all of that created so much, you could see hesitation, worry, bad play, just not making the decisions that he should have made that he probably knows that he should have made that was all in his tape a lot last year he was not playing the quarterback position the way that you need to to be a serious nfl draft prospect even with as much talent as he has this past week again one game it was fantastic this guy had a 94.1 passing grade okay he had uh going through this sorry hold on three passing touchdowns three big time throws and the three big time throws were pretty damn sick an 86.7 adjusted completion percentage and connor my favorite stat that went with jj mccarthy this week is that he had a 91.7 passing grade under pressure he was so much more comfortable under pressure last week there are so many different examples that i found what going back and watching his tape that he was going left and right in the pocket yep. navigating things exactly the way that he needed to that internal clock in the back of his head or that just that just feel for pressure it was not there last year and it's one sample size this past weekend but we already saw it it was so much more improved than it was the previous season. And if you tell me that he's going to adjust to pressure better, understand defense is better, get to his progressions and his read better, then you're going to see a guy with a great zip on his passes, really great ball placement, good accuracy, and the ability to hit the deep ball, whether it's to the sideline or over the middle of the field. We're starting to talk about him more as a total package if he continues to be consistent with how he played under pressure like we saw this past weekend. So good, damn good job from J.J. McCarthy taking that step in those really important areas when it comes to being a potential first-round pick. No doubt. I wrote down, watched all his throws earlier in the week. I wrote down, looks so much more composed. Yeah. The offense allowed him to challenge more outside the numbers. Here's the biggest one. He didn't drift backwards or sideways as much when scrambling. It drove me insane over summer. It was almost like he would turtle and like kind of shuffle and this is, a, this is a habit that you don't want young quarterbacks to develop. And I saw so much more of resetting the pocket and working upwards and capitalizing on that arm talent. It looked like a totally different player in my eyes. Uh, mechanically, looked very refined. I thought he painted targets with guys that have the, a bigger catch radius when he could to keep the ball away from the defense, whatever direction they were going. It was just, it felt like he knew how to throw away from the defenders. I'm with you, Trevor. I absolutely loved what I saw from McCarthy. And I, I, I'm buying in now. I'm buying yeah. in now. It, you want to see throughout the whole season, but it definitely felt like one of those things where it's like, okay, this was a young player um, that is cleaning up some of the struggles that he had from last year. And if he keeps that going, 
I see the pro tools that people have kind of been drooling over. Absolutely. You know, he's, and to give more context, I, I was just thinking about this now, as we go through these market movers segment, I'll mention where they're at in the big board. Um, as much as I remember. And I got McCarthy at 64 in the preseason big board. He's definitely somebody that could be moving up uh, very soon, probably on the next big board update, uh, especially if he continues to string together games like we saw this past weekend. The only guy who may have uh, draft eligible, I should say, guys that we're talking about here on Market Movers, the only quarterback who probably played under pressure better than J.J. McCarthy was Michael Pratt from My God. Holy hell, man. What a game from this young man, okay? I had Michael Pratt. Hold on, got to pull it up. I had Michael Pratt at 58 on the preseason big board. Oh, I can't wait to move him up if he continues to play like we saw this past week. Hey, good for you, though. That's high. Good, I, I mean, good for you. And, and he and, earned it. And the preseason scouting notes on this guy, sort of similar to that of J.J. McCarthy. It was love the size, love the durability, He's not much of a dual threat guy. He's going to be much more of a pocket passer. Okay, that's fine. Love the NFL arm. I thought he had pinpoint accuracy in ball placement, all three levels of the field, whether it was over the middle or outside the numbers. So like he he checked so many boxes in that regard, but it was the same as McCarthy. Not exactly in the same way, but too many times on last season's tape, Michael Pratt did not step up when pressure was there. It's like he was treating quarterback play like you do in Madden, you know, where you yep. hike the ball in the shotgun <laughs> and then you just keep retreating if pressure's coming at you. You don't navigate it left or right or you don't step up in the pocket if it's coming around your shoulder. You just keep moving back further and you turn a 10-yard throw sure. into a 40-yard throw once you find somebody else. But obviously it wasn't that bad with Michael Pratt. But there were so many times where he just did not step into throws when pressure was anywhere near around him. And he also wouldn't hang tough in the pocket and just slide to his left or right Dude, against South Alabama, I saw all of that. This dude had a 98.0 passing grade, which is absolutely absurd. And the reason why is because he went 14 for 15 passing the ball with almost 300 passing yards, four touchdowns, four big-time throws to lead all the quarterbacks that we're talking about, and a 100% stat of the week. adjusted completion percentage. Stat of the week. He, he had one incompletion. He doesn't and we miss. marked it as a throw that could have been caught. And it would have been, it would have been, it would have been. I thought it should have been. Would have been a damn I, good catch. It would have been a nice play. It might have but been. He, a, but he could have caught it. He could yeah, have caught it. Been it could have been caught. It could have been caught. And that's why we, we, we listed the way that we did in that system. So uh, dude, he is, Pratt is another big time market mover for me. Again, was ranked at 58 on uh, PFS preseason big board going into the season. Uh, you, you start stringing together games like that, brother. We're going up. We're going, we're moving the markets. 100%. I wrote down uh, full field reader and another guy that really commanded the offense that was drawn up for him. And sure, six of the 14 completions were screens, but then weren't four or five of the other eight big time throws. So yeah. it's not like he didn't do anything. He wasn't just sitting on the bus waiting to get to the destination. Uh, good mobility to throw on rollouts. They love cutting the field in half and yep. they, they should because he looks really smooth on the move and comfortable uh, throwing left or right. Picks up free yards on scrambles when he sees them. He doesn't really hesitate to run. And I wrote down, he understands how to take some off on throws that need just a little bit of more touch. So Pratt is the definition of market mover, in my opinion, Trevor. Him and Sanders, like we were believers in Penix. We're now believing in McCarthy, but McCarthy yeah. had other believers. 
but I think Pratt is now a national name. And I think Sanders, and this is about the draft folks. It's not about just college football. I think Sanders is now a national draft name as well. And I mean, it's, it is so much fun when you have this many quarterbacks that matter in the draft landscape. Yep. The, the other big time potential market mover that I wanted to talk about before we moved on was Arkansas quarterback, KJ Jefferson. Jefferson had a really nice opening week. Uh, 86.9 PFF grade, 18 for 23 throwing the ball, 246 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, three big time throws. He did have a turnover worthy play in there, yep. but Jefferson, a very high adjusted completion percentage again, which is pretty par for the course for him. I got to look up what his adjusted completion percentage numbers were last year, but I think they were around mid seventies, high seventies. So him being right around 81.8 uh, to open the season, that's kind of uh, that's that's definitely within his wheelhouse. You just kind of saw it all from him. Actually, Connor, have you seen the play where the linebacker tries to the line? I don't even want to say tries to. There's a play that happened this past weekend where a linebacker has a free shot on a green dog blitz just straight into the barrel right at the chest of KJ Jefferson. This young man, this scholarship athlete, this fantastic football player, I'm sure, gives it everything he's got, puts the shoulder straight into the chest of KJ Jefferson, and KJ just goes, yeah. Not today, partner. Not today, partner. <laughs> That's I mean, mean, bounces off of it, barely even stumbles, rolls to the outside, completes a pass for a first down. That's what six foot three, 247 pounds of pure beef at quarterback beef. gets you, baby. And KJ Jefferson showed that off this past weekend. It was truly like watching someone run into the platform nine and three quarters from Harry Potter and just smacking into the brick wall, not making it through. <laughs> it's like exactly what it looked like. That's it's perfect. Un- it's it was I was just like this doesn't even this defies all physics on a football field because these guys are all big and strong but he's just that different um, and when you you know when you watch him throw the velocity he throws with I think he loads up a little bit I would like to see everything be a little bit more compact but it's just so hard to get on him about that because he's just so damn big so he you kind of got to take that with it where these bigger guys they are going to load up a little bit more and. He can really push the ball with uh, with velocity. Like you said, Trevor, it's just so hard to make contact against him and bring him down at 247 pounds. It's just utterly ridiculous. So yet another guy. And the difference with Jefferson, right? At least we think, or not the difference, because there are some players we talked about. We talked about it with Pratt. But Jefferson is a unique player like Pratt where they can go through the all-star circuit. And the all-star circuit for quarterbacks it can go a long ways. It really, yeah. really can. A lot of these yes. other guys are underclassmen that wouldn't have that opportunity, but Jefferson is somebody that I believe would be eligible for that. So, yeah. And, and you know, when you, when scouts watch somebody that big and strong throw in person in an all-star circuit, they kind of look around and they're like, okay, like this is a little different. Our uh, good friend of the show, Jordan Reed was on the call for that game. Uh, yes. He was up in the booth. And so he was on the field watching these guys warm up. And um, I tweeted about that play and Jordan responded with a video of, of him kind of right next to KJ Jefferson as he's warming up. And he's like, dude, it's, it is incredible to see him in person. And KJ is somebody who I think could be an all-star circuit, all-star for lack of yes. better words. Yep. I think like a he headliner. Can, oh yeah, absolutely. 100%. The thing with KJ Again, this is a player who has a ton of physical tools, 
ball placement is sometimes an issue for him. And even when I was yeah. watching this past game, you know, he had a he had a pass behind the line of scrimmage that was way too far beyond his wide receiver. And you could see him like he you know, he like he smacks his hands. He's like, damn, I missed that one because he knows it. And I think with especially passes that are outside the numbers towards the sideline, that ball placement just isn't there consistently the way it is for some of these other quarterbacks and man when you're an nfl quarterback you got to be able to hit to the sideline you got to be able to maximize every single inch of the width that you have on that field and so that is still an area where i'm i'm looking to see more consistency from jefferson but he's going to do so much he's going to do so many things that you love and he i guarantee jefferson's going to be a fan favorite in this quarterback class i think he was ranked about 101 he was right outside the top 100 let me make sure yeah, he was 101 on my preseason big board. And he, again, is somebody who has a chance to – that accuracy and that ball placement starts to get better. You're talking about somebody who has a ton of different tools, gives you a lot of added uh, ability as a as a rusher as well. That's the kind of stuff that really could, could vault you up those uh, rankings and up those big boards. Without a doubt. Um, are we missing someone? I want to make sure we got through all of the market oh, movers and quarterback. Uh, Riley Leonard was somebody who Riley we wrote Leonard, down. Leonard, I mean, his performance, I wouldn't say it was like market moving, right? He was good as a rusher. And he was on our boards. Yeah, so that's that's why I I, I wanted to mention him, but I think he was 47 for me. He might have been a little bit higher for you. Yeah, Adam, I think 40th or four, yeah, about 40th. Really? I mean, he obviously showed his athleticism very nicely against Clemson, getting the big win there. There were still some throws that... I love that he attempted them. I love that he's looking at them because they were NFL style throws, I think to the sideline specifically, but just finding that ball placement with the touch, you can tell it's right there for him. It could be something that's a major part of his game because there's some throws last year in last year's tape that are phenomenal. Just need to see a little bit more. And and he, he looked a little bit rusty with some of the touch passes this past weekend against Clemson, but um yeah, I guess yeah. It was good that we shouted him out, but he wasn't. Re- he's not really moving the market for me, even though he had a big win against Clemson. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't move him up or down my board. I think all the other quarterbacks that we talked about today, I would. I would move up my board, and all I right. would argue that Shadur and Pratt can easily be in my top fifty now for sure. Man, whew, it's gonna be a fun year for quarterbacks. Those Hell are yeah, market dude. movers. Uh, those are our market movers. Of course, we'd love to hear from you guys as well. Let us know who your market movers are after week one of college football. We're hitting another segment real quick, a little rapid fire. It's called It's Early, But, right? It, 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 because we're like you guys. We want to freak out about some great early season performances. And even though maybe it won't mean that they're going to be a first rounder or a top 50 player, maybe will if they keep it up. So, Connor, who's somebody who it's a little bit early, but you want to give him a shout out here? I'll start out with Jared Wiley from TCU, the tight end okay. that nice. is... 6'7", 260 pounds. He had five catches for 60 yards and a touchdown against Colorado. I thought he looked really, really impressive. He's just massive. He can move a little bit. I want to see him grow into a blocker at that frame and be able to use that big body on the line of scrimmage um, to kind of be a, you know, that two-way tight end, that versatile tight end. He's somebody that you know, has been around college football for a while now. He started his career at Texas. He was at Texas for three years. Now he spent, I uh, transferred for TCU in 2022 and, and as in this second year with that program, he caught four touchdowns last year in a, in a career year for himself, but I think he can catch 500, 600 yards receiving this year, maybe go for five to eight touchdowns and find himself 
in this tight end conversation and once again continue to grow out on the line of scrimmage. But he was someone for me uh, that I didn't get to really watch during summer scouting for tight ends. And watching that game, I was like, this guy is is an early, you know, an early player to keep in uh, keep eyes on. Uh, that's gotten a lot better over his time at college football. Love it. Love the shout out. My first one is going to Texas defensive lineman and Texas. The Longhorns have had a lot of versatile defensive linemen, I think, over the last couple of years. Byron Murphy, the second. I have no idea if he's related to Byron Murphy, the corner for the Minnesota Vikings, but Byron Murphy, the second. Yeah, they're deep. brothers. Are they brothers? <laughs> no, Byron Murphy and Byron Murphy. Imagine if you you have oh, a yeah, sibling that's the same name as you. <laughs> no, maybe the maybe maybe the maybe the the second for this one isn't yeah, the Byron junior. Murphy the corner is his maybe dad. Two. <laughs> <laughs> It's just two. Like he's the, he's, the, he's the younger one, so they named him two. Okay, we're oh boy, it's too much. Anyways, um, Byron Murphy is probably not in any way related. <laughs> the Minnesota Vikings quarter, former four-star recruit. Okay, he is a true junior. He played in he played in a lot of games over the last couple of years as a true freshman, true sophomore. But he only made two starts over the last two years. But man. I believe he did get the start this past week and him next to Tavondre Sweat, who also had a really nice game. His numbers, Murphy's numbers really popped for me when I was just looking over our database for week one, 84.7 pass rush grade as an interior guy, three technique defensive tackle, um, 41.7 pass rush win percentage. So that number even more I mean, impressive than the pass rush grade. Now I will say this, went back and I watched a lot of his pass rush reps. I think I watched all of them from this past weekend and he's got great burst off the snap, really good potential. I mean, super fast hands there. This is a one gap penetrating three technique defensive tackle who I think could be really nice. Somebody that you guys should definitely keep your eyes on when it comes to this class. He doesn't, if he doesn't win with quickness or burst off the snap, he does sometimes struggle to really disengage. And that's why I think he's somebody who could generate a lot of pressures, but maybe not a lot of like backfield production, like sacks, tackles for loss, things like that. Um, until he really starts to hone in on, okay, I got across this guy's face. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm now attacking the half man. Now I'm really hitting a club rip or I'm just ripping and dipping around him or whatever it is. So um, getting better, disengaging some of those, just from what I saw in that first game, it's going to go a long way for him. But heck, anytime that you post near 50% <laughs> pass rush win percentage, uh, you, you're somebody that um, the offensive line's got to keep eyes on. So Byron Murphy, the second defensive tackle from Texas. That is, uh, and that's a team that is going to get a lot of play in terms of in being in the national spotlight with all the talent they have. So if you if you start to blow up, it won't take long before everybody notices you. Uh, one more tight end to keep with the tight end theme here. Okay, this is somebody who appeared pretty loudly during summer scouting two summers ago in the tight end group. That's Benjamin Urasek, the Stanford tight end. Nice. Who I. I liked when I watched him two years ago and he, he just didn't take off. I think the way I thought he would the year after that. And it felt like Stanford's offense as a whole that had a lot of problems, right? It, it felt like last year. I mean, to put it in context in 2021 and we watched him in summer of 22, he was coming off a year where he had 653 yards and three touchdowns on 42 catches. And then, the next year, he, he dropped down. He had only 445 yards and one touchdown. The production just wasn't the same. Well, 
He kicked off the season with a bang. He had nine catches, 138 yards, a touchdown. He had a phenomenal catch down the sideline. He really looked like the kind of presence at six foot four, two forty two that could be this, you know, off the line of scrimmage tight end that the NFL is is in love with in this era. So Urasek is a guy that I think has can really rebuild what it looked like he had coming out of the 2021 season. And now he's senior eligible. He could be one of the best tight ends in the all-star circuit. And I'm just glad to see Stanford featuring him in their pass game because this dude can easily be an 800 yard college tight end, which is pretty special territory, but he has that kind of pass catching ability. I love him, man. I love the shout out. I'm sticking along the defensive line for my last guy. I want to shout out. He's somebody that, should definitely be on your radar because he's one of the most intriguing prospects that I've watched over the last couple of weeks for sure. But before we get to that, can y'all believe that we went seven months without an NFL game? I know. Totally crazy, right? Well, good thing that's over. The NFL is here, baby. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, New customers get $200 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game for week one. DraftKings is hooking everybody up. With game day greatness, all customers can take advantage of two new offers every single day this September. Just check the app and see what you get there. Download uh, the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code PFF to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting 5 bucks on any game. That's promo code PFF only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, the crown is yours this season. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or you can text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problems with gambling at 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, cdkng.com slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance eligibility deposit restrictions apply for that one. So the guy that I want to shout out, I cannot remember who first brought this name to my head. Some a listener of the podcast did. I think they hit me up on Instagram. So you know who you are. I just can't remember exactly who it was. They told me to watch kansas edge rusher austin booker and austin booker was phenomenal this past week in week one now he wasn't going up against the best competition all right i will i will admit that but he's a minnesota transfer was at minnesota for two seasons didn't really get a lot of playing time transfers over to kansas puts a little bit more weight on which was crucial for him but the six foot six, 245 pound stand up edge rusher had a 91.9 pass rush grade this past weekend and a 46.2 pass rush win percentage. Flip My a coin if he was, was blocked. Cooking people, what'd you say? Yeah. I said flip a coin if he was blocked on the player. <laughs> That's or not. basically how it went. Now, I think there's a lot of things that need. After I, I watched all of his pressures, I watched all of the pass rush reps. And he's super intriguing. Kansas kind of aligns him in that wide nine spot where he can have that straight path to the quarterback. So you're not asking him to bend a ton, but the arms are super long. That's something that was really intriguing to me because the hands are fast, but the arms are also really long. He's also somebody who consistently 
hits an inside move. I mean, he makes that a major part of his pass rush profile. He attacks the outside shoulder. He really gets those offensive tackles to open up, and then he will not hesitate to, on the very next play, boom, hit you with a little Euro step. Now I'm going straight inside, and he's got the burst to be able to do it. So, again, I don't, I can't remember who, I can't remember who they were playing, but the, the offensive line level of competition was not close to like what you would see as an NFL draft grade that you would want to grade him against. But you want to see guys feast against competition that they're a lot better than. And Austin Booker absolutely did that. So um, now that he's got his weight up to at least 245, I think that's huge. I think he showed up at Kansas. I read it 235. So get an extra 10 pounds. It's huge, obviously, for playing uh, on the edges. Uh, love the length, love the vines that he's got attached to him. I think they can be major weapons for him in the pass rush game. But uh, Austin Booker, somebody with I want to shout out, edge rusher from Kansas, keep an eye out. I love it. Pure domination. Pure domination. And that's what flip you want to see these week ones the when the schedule can be, you know, a little, little softer for some of these teams. Just go out and dominate. So. Let us know what you guys thought of uh, the market movers that we brought up here on this show. We would also love to hear who your market movers uh, have been after week one of college football. It could be any player. It doesn't have to just be a quarterback. Somebody that you watched this past weekend that you went, man, this guy can really be from a day three prospect to a day two prospect or a day two prospect jumping up into the first round. We would love to hear from you. Best way to do that, of course, uh, is on our YouTube channel. If you're watching this video already on YouTube, salute. Make sure you like and subscribe. Uh, give us a comment. Or if you're listening on audio only, www.youtube.com backslash NFL Stock Exchange. If YouTube's not really your thing, you can still hit us up at Tampa Bay Trey, at Connor J. Rogers on X, formerly known as Twitter, and also Instagram. That's a great way to get your thoughts in on the show. Um, we'll be back with you on Monday. Or are we doing – we releasing Sunday night? We're doing a Monday. It'll probably release Sunday night because mm -hmm. I have the rare um, Jets Monday Night Football. Oh, yeah, because – okay, so, yeah, Connor's doing his Monday Night Football yeah. thing. He's doing his big TV thing, which means we will graciously have him available for Sunday night. So you will get our immediate thoughts on what we're about to see in the NFL for week one on Sunday night. Dude, I'm excited for it. You got anything else before we get out of here? No, I think we've. it's so good to be back twice a week. I feel like we didn't have to cram as much. We got to react to everything. Yes, Love being back on the feed. I, I Let me say this before we sign off. Whenever we upload a video, and our, our great producer, Ryan, is very responsible for that and does such a good job on this show, it is Basically. awesome when I see, like, five comments just roll in, like, it's made by night, or, like, the boys are back, or, like, <laughs> it's just such an... The internet can be an absolute pit of hell, but the <laughs> NFL SC comment section is an absolute pit of joy. And for that, I really appreciate the addicts. Shout out to everybody in the pit of joy. We appreciate you. I'm Trevor Sikama. That's Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for listening to the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. We will see you on Sunday night.